Hi, and welcome to another end time edition of Nightlight. And I think this is a very important topic that we're going to discuss on this show. And that is whether Jesus is coming back any day now to rapture us out of this world, which is what many, many Christians believe. And it's what I see many big name pastors and evangelists uh, telling their congregations and YouTube audiences to expect. Just as a preface to this show, I want you to know that I was brought up as a Christian to believe that Jesus was coming at the end of the seven-year reign of the Antichrist, that is after three and a half years of the period known as the Great Tribulation. And my belief in that doctrine hasn't changed over the last 50 years. And believe me, if Jesus does come and rapture me and every other Christian out of this world before the dark days of the Antichrist persecution and tribulation, I would be just so happy. But in looking carefully at the scriptures on this question, I just cannot see how it can be so much as I would honestly like it to be. On this show, you're going to hear my conversation with end-time eschatologist Joseph Kandel, as I ask him to clearly lay out the scriptures on both sides of this question, from which you'll be able to draw your own conclusions. We have a guest tonight on Nightlight. Joe, those who believe that Jesus could come again at any time and secretly rapture his children out of this world so that they're not here during the seven-year reign of the Antichrist and the Great Tribulation, what is the scriptural basis for that view. There must be some key scriptures that have convinced them of this. Revelations 4.1 and 4.2 is uh, some of their favorite verses. And Revelations 4.1 says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And verse 2 says, And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Joe, I'm very familiar with the book of Revelations. I've read it many times, even memorized it. But I just cannot see how that verse could possibly be referring to anything else than John being caught up in the Spirit to get a glimpse of God's throne room in heaven. I mean, there's no mention of anybody else being caught up in the Spirit, let alone the whole church. How do they connect these verses with the rapture? Well, that's just it. They they say that uh, this event in uh, Revelations 4, 1 and 2 is talking about the uh, the Christian church, that they will be taken up in a secret rapture here. And you're right. John was taken up, only John was taken up in the Spirit to see future events. So this is what, what, what happened. He was taken up and he ended up getting, you know, the end time chapters like Revelations chapter 6 that talks about the uh, six seals. We had uh, chapter 7 about the sealing of the saints. Chapters 8 and 9 is dealing with the tribulation trumpets. Chapter 10 is the announcement of Jesus' second coming after the tribulation. Uh, chapter 11 is the two witnesses witnessing in Jerusalem for 1260 days and uh, the Christians uh, the church fleeing into the wilderness during the great tribulation for 1260 days and 
Chapter 13, the ACN false prophet, the image of the beast, the 666 chip implant, and, and chapter 14, you know, the three warning angels in rapture again. And then, of course, we have chapter 17 and 18, which also deals with the time period of the Great Tribulation. So, in a way, this is their way of escape. In other words, if they put the rapture here at verse 1 and 2, that means they're not going to be here for those events, those chapters that I just mentioned to you. And so this is a big part of their doctrine that, hey, we're not going to be here. And, and it's just a totally false misconception of the scriptures. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a false doctrine. It's a very dangerous. I mean, I hate to say this to other uh, Christian brethren, but, you know, as a result of this pre-secret rapture, the Christians who believe this are not getting ready for the time of the end. They're not studying Bible prophecy. They think they're not going to be here through this uh, great tribulation period. So basically, I think the enemy, the devil, has just put these Christians to sleep thinking they're going to go you know, up in a bed of roses when in fact the scriptures tell us something totally different. Joe, what I find difficult to understand is how some very learned theologians and Bible prophecy experts and teachers people who I respect and believe that their interpretation of other end-time Bible prophecy scriptures is spot on, and yet they seem to unquestioningly hold on to this pre-tribulation rapture doctrine in spite of all the scriptures to the contrary. I mean, there must be other scriptures that they use to support the pre-tribulation rapture view. Yes, uh, they use a uh, few scriptures like another Scriptures they use, which is very popular in First uh, Thessalonians uh, five, chapter five, verse two through five, they use this one in verse two. It says, "For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night." So there they go. See, Jesus is going to come in the thief as a night. Then it goes on to say, "For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child." And they shall not escape. So this is, they use this too. Oh, see, the Lord can come as a thief in the night. But then, uh, if you read verse 4 and 5, it gives a totally different picture on this. It says, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. It's, you know, we're not going to, it's not going to come upon us as a thief of the night. People who believe in post-trib rapture, people who are studying the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, and the other prophetic chapters, or even like yourself, you memorize the book of Revelation. People who who believe in post-trib, they are preparing, they are getting ready, and they're like the watchmen on the wall, warning not only the other Christians, but the people of the world, that we are going into the final signs of the end time. Signs of the Times Joe, where does this pre-tribulation doctrine come from? When did it make its entry into Christian theology? Uh, the research that I've done, the, the post-trib rapture was very commonly believed by uh, all the Christians. But what happened is that uh, there was a, a girl by the name of uh, Margaret MacDonald. She was a Scottish girl. And according to her, she had received a prophetic, a so-called prophetic vision uh, in 1830. Right. And in this prophetic vision, uh, she had received that you know, the church would be raptured before the Great Tribulation. Now, what happened after that, there was a Pentecost gentleman by the name of John Nelson Darby, and he was a member of the uh, 
Plymouth Brethren Movement, and he went to go visit Margaret MacDonald, and he accepted her view on the pre-tribulation rapture, and then he began to work it into his own system. Now, what happened after that, then this doctrine was later incorporated uh, into a widely read Schofield Bible with uh, his notes. So this has been the main foundation and core of this uh, pre-trib rapture. But before 1830, post-trib rapture was the was always believed by all the Christians. Right. So it wasn't until 1830 did the roots of the pre-trib rapture start coming into play. Right, Joe. So compared with the span of the history of the church, this is a relatively new doctrine. Yes, if you if you look back, uh, Christians before that, post-trib was the most uh, ex- was the only accepted doctrine regarding the end time. Right, and of course it was Jesus's doctrine too, because he said in Matthew four twenty nine to thirty one, they said immediately after the tribulation those days would be the resurrection and the rapture. So uh, all the early church believe in a post-trib rapture, and you know Paul he made it very clear. You know Paul said that. In verse 1, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1, he said, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. So he's talking about, you know, Jesus' the rapture and resurrection. And he goes down to say in verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Verse 4, Who opposeth? and exalted himself about all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he is God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So what Paul was... And this is the Antichrist. Yes. What Paul was showing the early church, and, and of course for us too, that there are two main things that had to happen before Jesus' second coming. One, there would be a falling away first. In other words, Christians and, and possibly the world, they would be falling away from faith with devolution. Some people even think that Christians will fall away when they realize there's no pre-trib rapture. Therefore, they will lose faith and they could also fall away when it didn't come out how they thought it would. And of course, it's very clear that the Antichrist must come first. So there's no rapture until after the tribulation. We will be here during the Antichrist rule and reign for the whole seven years, and we'll be here during the last three and a half years of Great Tribulation as well. Lighting your path through the end times. You're with Nightlight. Joe, there's actually another theory, isn't there, that Jesus is going to come back in the middle of the seven years of the reign of the Antichrist? Well, this particular theory to me is even more deceptive. It's even more dangerous because in this theory, people like Anderson and others preach that there's a post-trib rapture. They'll debate and they'll argue with the, you know, the left behind secret rapture uh, Christians and say that is wrong and Jesus is coming after the tribulation, right? Here's the catch to that. What they teach is that the Antichrist, okay, he signs the Holy Covenant, and they say the last seven years starts, right? But what they do is they say, well, the first three and a half years is the Great Tribulation. See, the, as soon as the Antichrist confirms the covenant, boom, the first three and a half years is the Great Tribulation. Of course, we know that's not right. Great Tribulation doesn't happen until 
after the first three and a half years, when the, and then happens in the midst of the seven years when the Antichrist breaks the covenant. So they say the first three and a half years is the Great Tribulation, and the last three and a half years is the wrath of God. See, so so they put the resurrection and rapture in the middle of the last seven years. And and I think this is even more deceptive because they're crying, oh, it's post-trib rapture, it's post-trib rapture. The pre-trib rapture guys are wrong, but they themselves are confused on the timing, on the timeline. So then they also believe that the uh, in Revelations 8 and 9, these are the six tribulation trumpets that are sounding during the last three and a half years of the seven-year covenant. And each trumpet has a... Uh, something hap- you know, something mon- monumental happened. So they believe that the Revelations 89 are happening during the wrath of God, which they claim is the last three and a half years of the seven-year covenant. So you can see how off they are, but because they say post-trib, you know, it, it, it's but they're wrong. I, they're sincerely wrong. You know, I mean, I really think they believe it. They're in their mind. They're really looking at a post-trib rapture. But it's it's not correct. Joe, but how do they then explain Revelation chapters 15 and 16, which are about the seven vials of the wrath of God, if they think that the seven tribulation trumpets of Revelation 8 and 9 are the wrath of God? That's the problem, is that they, they're kind of messed up. They're confused because, yes, in the last three and a half years of the seven-year covenant, during the Great Tribulations, we have Revelations 8 and 9, uh, the six trumpets are sounding, and here we have the Great Tribulation, and the Christians will go through this time period. Now, the trumpets are aimed more at the people who received the 666 Mark of the Beast chip implant, if that's the you know final uh, technology. They're worshiping the image of the beast. So the trumpets will mainly affect those who worship the Antichrist, and the Christians who are sealed uh, with the seal of God, will be protected from these tribulation plagues. But of course, they, they're being hunted down by the Antichrist. It says the Antichrist will make war against the saints and o- overcome them. You know, So we have problems with the AC, but these plagues are aimed mainly at the worshipers of the Antichrist. So this is happening during the last three and a half years of the seven-year covenant. Then Jesus comes immediately after the tribulation, we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The wrath of God is happening simultaneously. And as we brought out in our past podcast, the wrath of God is 75 days. Now, this wrath of God period after Jesus' second coming of rapture is the wrath of God that we read about in Revelations chapter 16. So the tribulation and the wrath of God is totally different. And during the wrath of God, after you know, Jesus' second coming, the resurrection rapture, we are not on the earth during the wrath of God. Only the people who had worshipped the, uh, the Antichrist and those people who didn't worship the Antichrist but they didn't receive Jesus will be left on earth. Now, the wrath of God, it happens during the, that period, that time period. So it's, a, it's the uh, seven vials of wrath. So we're not here. What the Christians will say, they're not going to be here. They say, they use the verse first. Thessalonians 5 9 it says for which says for God hath not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ well yes we're not going to be we're not appointed unto wrath as in Revelation 16 we go through the tribulation during the last three and a half years of the seven-year covenant under the trumpets and, and Revelations 8 and 9 but we are not here we're not appointed unto the wrath which is in Revelation 16 
But the Christians use this to say, ah, see, we're not going to receive God's wrath during the last seven years, particularly against the last three and a half years of the seven-year covenant. So that's how they, they uh, interpret that. And of course, they use the verse in Revelation when the devil and his uh, third of the angels, fallen angels, are cast out of heaven in Revelations 12, uh, 7 through 9, it goes on to say, and the devils come down to them having great wrath. So they take that, oh, the devil's coming down with great wrath, you know, in the midst of the seven years to start the great tribulation. So they, they say, oh, he's coming down with wrath. See, that's the wrath of God. But that's not what it's saying. It just says the devil is full of wrath, not that we're going into the wrath of God. We're going into the tribulation. Then there's a big difference. You know, Joe, when I talk about this question on my radio program, so I always tell the listeners that I would be very happy to be proven wrong on this question. If the pre-tribulation rapturists are right, I'd be very pleasantly surprised. But, you know, I think it's better to be spiritually and mentally prepared to still be here during the last seven years and then not have to be rather than to find out that the pre-tribulation doctrine was wrong and to be spiritually unprepared to live through this time. Joe, if that's the case, a lot of Christians are going to be sadly surprised. Uh, It's going to be a sad surprise for them because, you know, they've been taught for so many years and uh, about a pre-trib secret rapture. When I say pre-trib, what they're really saying is before the last seven-year covenant. So right. You know, it's almost, I like to call it, pre, in some cases, pre-covenant rapture, because they believe now that before the Antichrist confirms the covenant and starts the last seven years, they won't be here. Right. That they'll be secretly raptured out before that. But it, it's such a deception, and, and I, I feel sorry for the Christians who, a lot of them just take their pastor's word for it. You know, they, they go to church, and they just tell them it's a pre-trib rapture, give them a few verses, and they don't look at the scriptures themselves. They don't go to the Bible and study it themselves. Like, I know a couple of testimonies, like one from, for example, uh, Steve Quayle. Uh, he has a, a Christian radio program. He believes in post-trib, but he shared a testimony on his show that he used to believe in pre-covenant rapture, pre-trib rapture as well, because that's what he was taught. But then he really wanted to know the truth, so he did his own study. He went to the Word and studied both sides of the coin, pre-trib and post-trib. When he had an open mind about it, and he studied it, then he came to the conclusion that the pre-tribulation rapture was incorrect, it wasn't true, and then he changed his belief to a post-trib rapture. And I've heard other testimonies of other Christians who were taught pre-covenant rapture that when they really looked at it for themselves and had an open mind, all of them had pretty much a basic uh, radical change on this on this doctrine. And they changed, Joe, because they saw the scriptures on the subject, many of which, as far as I can see, are incontrovertible. Joe, for those who are listening who believe that Jesus is coming before the tribulation, what are some of the key scriptures that you would use to help them see things differently? One of the biggest keys that I'll start with is, uh, first of all, you know, like I said, we we go through the last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. Uh, you know, the Antichrist confirms the covenant, rebuilding of the temple, 
Daily sacrifice resume. The Antichrist breaks the covenant in the middle. Then we go up to the three and a half years of Great Tribulation. Right. Now, during that tribulation period, you have the six trumpets, right? These are tribulation trumpets. The first trumpet, a third part of the trees is burnt up and all the green grass. Second trumpet, there's a great mountain burning with fires cast in the ocean, which could possibly be a volcano. It says the third part of the ocean is turned to blood. The third part of the creatures die in the ocean, and, and the third part of the ships are destroyed. Then the third trumpet, a star called Wormwood, hits the rivers, a third of the rivers and fountains of waters. The waters are poisoned, and, and many men die uh, from the poison of the water, you know. Right. And then the fourth angel uh, sounds a, th a third part of the sun, third part of the moon, the third part of the stars is darkened, and they shine for uh, not for a third part of the night and a third part of the day. And then the fifth angel, the locusts are let out of the bottomless pit. They go and uh, torment and sting of the people who do not have the seal of God, who are worshiping the Antichrist and took the mark of the beast. Then on the sixth trumpet, you have a third of mankind being killed in warfare. So these six trumpets, and I just did a very quick summary of this, uh, are happening during the three and a half years. But now, in Revelations 10, 7, we get this verse, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. On the seventh trumpet, the last trumpet, we have the announcement of Jesus' second coming in the resurrection and rapture. Now, what is the mystery of God? Because it says... Good question. What is the mystery of God? Yeah, what is Do the we mystery know? of God? We know, because if, we, if know? we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 and verse 52, we learn what this mystery is. And this 51 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So the mystery of God is that we get our, our body changed. We're getting our new, eternal, glorified bodies. Wow. It says at the last trump, right, the seventh trump. So those six trumpets have to happen before the last trump or the seventh trump. For sure. And then it goes on to say in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, it said, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And verse 17 says, Then... We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Doesn't sound like a secret rapture to me. Yes, yes, because it says the dead in Christ are going to rise first. So when when Jesus comes back in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, first you have the resurrection. In other words, the dead are rising first. Then it says, then we which are alive and remain. Now, when is this happening? After the tribulation. So look, there's Christians, saved Christians, who are still on the earth at Jesus' second coming after the tribulation. Because we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So that shows us there's Christians around for this after the post-trib rapture, which we were alive and remain. So I would say there'll still be millions of us alive during this uh, second coming of Jesus Christ, the resurrection and rapture after the tribulation. So there's proof right there. You know, we're alive and we're still here on earth. 
Nightlight, keeping you in tune with the times. You know, Joe, I had a dear friend of mine, Paul Baker, recently come on my Sunday morning program and we debated this very question as he believes in the pre-tribulation view. And I asked him about this verse where it plainly says that the Lord gathers his elect after the tribulation of these days. And the way he explained it is that he believed that the elect who are left behind and who God uses as his witnesses during this time are Jews, 144,000 of them, as mentioned in Revelation chapter 7, who after the departure of the Christians somehow get saved and become powerful end-time witnesses. How would you counter this interpretation of the scriptures? Well, I think there's uh, two main points. First of all, what that's saying, there's a secret rapture. And then, like you were saying, 144,000 Jews would be alive during the the tribulation period and carry on. But one thing we have to realize that there's only one resurrection and rapture. Right. And that's covered in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4 through 6. And that says, I saw thrones... And they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with them a thousand years. So that that kind of already does away with that doctrine that you mentioned, because there's just one resurrection. Right. And regarding the Jews now, yes, there's a lot mentioned that, you know, the Jewish Christians and that they will be here. They have a very special place during the tribulation. Well, you know, there's a lot of good Christian Jews in the world today. There's, there's you know, the, uh, the Jews make uh, good Christians. I mean, Jesus was a Jew. All his disciples were Jews. The early church was Jewish. Right. But we are no longer under the physical of a Jew. We're not under that old law. For example, Paul was was dealing with this issue during the early church, and he had to write quite a few epistles to try to show the disciples that a Jew was no more important than a Gentile, that it, that it all changed under Jesus Christ. And here's what Paul said in Romans chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. Paul says, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. And in Galatians three twenty-eight and 29, it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. And verse 29, it says, And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So Christians, even if they're not Jewish, you know, we're part of Abraham's seed. So now it's a, it's a spiritual kingdom, right. Simon. It's not this physical Jew, you know, and, you know, the Jews are going to be the 144,000 in the Great Tribulation, you know, and you just come out of nowhere and all of a sudden they're leading the, the church, you know. That's not the case. Right, because if, Joe, if these are Jewish Christians, they would have been raptured along with the other Christians and not left behind just because they're Jewish 
Christians. So that would mean there's 144,000, if they are Jews, would have to somehow get saved and almost instantly become some of the most powerful witnesses that have ever lived, able to stand up to the Antichrist and his persecutions and to be overcomers through the word of their testimony and the blood of the Lamb, as it says in Revelations chapter 12. It doesn't sound very plausible, does it? No, it doesn't, because the reason is that, as the Bible says in Second Timothy 2.15, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be shamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be, shall be able to teach others also. So uh, another point, uh, where did they get their training? Where did How did they learn about the end time? How did they understand the book of Revelations or the book of Daniel? Uh, as you know, uh, both of us who've studied Bible prophecy for quite a long time, uh, it took time to learn. It took time to grow. It took time to understand. And we're still learning. We haven't arrived yet. But the point is, some guy, uh, Jewish Christian, or even a Gentile Christian, if he gets saved, you know, during the last seven years or during the tribulation, he's not going to automatically know everything. He's not going to automatically understand everything. Uh, and that's why it says in Daniel eleven thirty two and 33, it says, but to people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And verse 33, and they that understand among the people shall instruct many. Well, who instructed these 144,000? Right. They have to be instructed. They have to be taught. They have to learn. They need experience. I mean, uh, okay, I've been teaching Bible prophecy for a long time, and it didn't happen overnight. It took years of training. It took years of classes. It took years of studying right. to get to the point where I can teach Bible prophecy today. And I have a, you know, a, an understanding of end-time Bible prophecy and what's going to happen. And, and, I, and I haven't arrived. I'm still learning. I'm still learning new things about the book of Revelations, about the book of Daniel. So it's a continual learning. So these guys are not going to automatically stand up with no word training and all, and all of a sudden be you know, 144,000 liters without the training, just automatically like that. You know, Joe, it is a mystery who exactly this 144,000 are. But one thing is that they're not the only Christians or Jewish Christians who are alive during the Great Tribulation. After listing the 12 tribes of the children of Israel, which, like you say, could be spiritual Jews, it goes on to say, after this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb. And John asks who these people are. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God. So, there you have it. Besides the 144,000, a great multitude of people who go through the Great Tribulation from every nation in the world who don't bow down to the Antichrist and his government. So, who are these? Are these all Jews as well? Some could be, but they're just uh, people from all over the world, Christians from all over the world, regardless of what their nationality is. And I think that's the main point. It doesn't matter whether you're a Jew. It doesn't matter if you're Spanish or British or American or, or Chinese. It doesn't matter. The nationality doesn't matter. It's a spiritual uh, 
awakening. It's a spiritual receiving Jesus. Your heart is a spiritual act. You ask the Lord into your heart, you get the free gift of salvation. So nationality really has nothing to do with it anymore. Then that's what Paul was trying to teach us. We're all one in Christ Jesus. We're neither Greek nor Jew. We're all one in Christ Jesus. It's going to be from people all walks of life, anybody who received Jesus, uh, whatever their nationality, it's just like they're spiritual Jews. Even the night can be bright when you switch on your nightlight. Joe, you know, when you read in Revelation chapter 11 about the awesome power that God endows the two sackcloth witnesses and the awesome miracles and ways in which God's children are going to be doing incredible exploits during this time. They that understand among the people shall instruct many, it says. And it says that they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. I mean, why would anybody want to miss this? It would be unfair if we were taken out of the action and our roles as the final witnesses for God during this time were given to others who've had no background and training in the Christian faith. I mean, maybe people don't want to face persecution, Yes, you're you're absolutely right. It's a time that uh, we're going through. And, you know, Jesus even said, if the world hate you in John 15, 18 and 19, he said, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth you. Right. And remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than the Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And if they kept my saying, they will keep yours also. So the church has always gone through some sort of upheaval. I mean, you go back to the days of Moses. I mean, look what they went through and the plagues the Lord had to use to deliver the the, uh, children of Israel out of Egypt. Uh, You look at the early church ministry and how the disciples... You know, th- those were exciting times, too. I mean, they were they were being persecuted by the by the Pharisees during that time. And yet, you know, the Lord was uh, using the, the apostles to win thousands and thousands of disciples and and winning a lot of new souls. And they were uh, miraculous healings and all kind of America. Philippian translated after uh, preaching to the Ethiopian. I mean, there were just all kind of miracles. God's people have always gone through some sort of persecution. Right. And, uh, of course, nobody wants to go through persecution. But like you say, we are going to see the power of God during this tribulation period, this, even during this whole last seven years and before. You know, if you look at the, the most persecuted religion in the world, according to statistics, is now Christianity. In recent news, Simon, uh, in America, for example, uh, evangelical Christians and those that believe in the end time are being labeled by the military and by the government as extremists. And they're putting them together with hate groups. You know, you can see where that is going, even in in the so-called America, land of the free. But you can see where this is all leading, where persecution is beginning to spread all over the world against Christianity. And we know that's the Antichrist plan is to, he's going to make war against the saints, particularly during the Great Tribulations. End time news and views. Recently, an incident happened in San Antonio, Texas, uh, Simon, where this 14-year-old girl, uh, she was going to high school, and the, and the school made it mandatory for all the students to wear RFID uh, tags, chip tags around their neck, you know, so that way they could follow the students wherever they go in school. Or if they leave the campus, the you know, they, the school authorities would know it. And so this girl... 
uh, refused, she refused to wear this RFID chip tag around her neck, stating that this was against her religious beliefs. And she said, this is a prelude. It's not the final, but a prelude to the coming Mark of the Beast 666 chip implant or whatever technology. And this uh, is against her religious belief. It's in the Bible, Revelations 13, chapter 13, verse 16 and 18. So she refused to wear it. So the school expelled her and she took it to the court and uh, sad to say she lost. So she completely got kicked out of school. But the thing is, I've been to San Antonio, and there's a lot of Christians there. There's a lot of good Christians there. But aside from her parents and close friends, none of the Christians there stood up for her. They did not help her. They, they, they didn't do anything. And I, you know, and I was asking the Lord, well, Lord, why doesn't the Christians there stand up for this 14-year-old girl who, who won't bend and will not receive this prelude to the mark of the beast. And what I got is because the Christians there, they believe in pre-trib rapture or pre-covenant rapture. They don't think they're going to be here. So therefore, why get involved? Why stand up and fight? Why stand up to be heard? We're not going to be here. So basically, they're just being put to sleep with this false pre-rapture or pre-covenant rapture a secret rapture doctrine. So it just has put them to sleep. And that's why nobody stood up. Shining bright in the dark night, you're listening to Nightlight. And sadly, Joe, they'll be asleep when the Antichrist comes into power and most likely won't even recognize that he is the Antichrist because they've been taught that they won't be here. So what's going to happen when, like you say, the Antichrist confirms the covenant and they're still here? Are they going to turn their back on the Lord? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what people will do. Hopefully, people will wake up when the covenant is signed and that they will see the handwriting on the wall and they still have another three and a half years to get ready because we know the tribulation won't start until the middle of the seven years when the Antichrist breaks the covenant. So hopefully they'll wake up, but I have a feeling what they'll probably try to do is, oh yeah, whoops, we were wrong, whoopsie, but uh, don't worry, Jesus will come back be, you know, in the, before the breaking of the covenant. So they'll probably push it back three and a half years. Let's hope not, but this is what I see could possibly be what they will try to do. You're listening to an international edition of Nightlight, shining God's love light to the world. Anything else you'd like to share before we close? For those out there, you know, really look at the scriptures, look at the scriptures that were shared. You're going to be here, no doubt about it. I I mean, I wish we weren't going to be here in some ways. Nobody cherishes going through tribulation and persecution, but the Bible clearly states that we're going to be here during the whole last seven years, and particularly the Great Tribulation. So the time is to get ready as now things seem to be speeding up, and we really need to start getting prepared for the last days, for the final signs of the end. Nightlight, keeping you in tune with the times. And thank you so much, Joseph Kandel. So, dear listeners, when do you believe Jesus will return? Any day now or after the seven years of Antichrist? 
If there are any more scriptures that you know that support either pre-tribulation or post-tribulation rapture, then please feel free to share them in the comments section below. And as I said at the beginning of this podcast, I would like nothing more than to believe that Jesus could come any day and rapture me out of this terrible mess of a world. But you're going to have to prove it to me with scriptures, okay? This is Chris Glynn signing off, and until Jesus comes again, God bless and keep you safely. Bye for now.